I want to talk to you today about neighboring. And I'm not just talking about showing up with the sugar when your neighbor needs it. I'm not just talking about being kind and waving hello at your neighbor when they bring their trash out. I'm talking about gospel neighboring, where we live our lives day in and day out, fully aware that God did not place us on this earth just to work a job, to pay the bills, to put money in the savings account, just to retire one day and live comfortably. I'm talking about where we realize as sons and daughters of the living God that he placed us on this earth as carriers of his kingdom so that everywhere we place our foot, we're taking up ground and we're impacting the world around us. Today, I'm talking about the art of evangelism, sharing your faith. And I'm going to be honest when I make this statement. I would venture to say that many of us here today and many Christians around the world, they would say that there is nothing more intimidating than sharing your faith with an unbeliever. Come on, do I have any honest folks that'll say amen? Like, it's, it's, it's challenging. <laughs> Come on, we live in a day and age where you will get bullied and boycotted in an instant, right? For standing up for what you believe in, for simply bringing up the name Jesus. And we have all the reasons and excuses why we don't want to witness, right? We say things like, you know, well, I really don't have the time. Or, or I'm not a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. Or, or I don't really want to offend anybody. No, that's a whole other message. I don't really want to offend anyone. Or, or, or how about this one? This one is valid. I don't really know where to start. I don't really know a, a whole lot of scripture. I don't know where to begin. But the bottom line is this. We can have all the excuses in the world, but we have to look at the mandate that Jesus has placed upon us. In Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, Jesus said these words before he ascended back to heaven. He said that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Somebody say go. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Now, can I tell you this great commission to most Christians is not something new. We're aware of this passage. The problem is not whether or not we are familiar with the great commission. The challenge is that most of us are not living our lives according to it. See, I got two amens. One amen was like, amen, that's good. The other one was, oh, amen. I knew I shouldn't have come to church today. <laughs> Listen, the mandate of Jesus is very clear. We don't have a problem showing up to church. We don't have a problem singing worship or maybe clapping our hands or lifting our hands. Listen, some of us don't even have a problem uh, being obedient to Scripture and bringing our tithe to the storehouse. But the moment we start talking about opening our mouths and being vocal about Jesus with unbelievers, <laughs> we freak out and we're nervous and we allow fear to grip our hearts and to paralyze us. But can I tell you, I am a firm believer that when it comes to sharing our faith, I believe we struggle with it so much because we overcomplicate it. 
I believe we overcomplicate the art of evangelism. I want you to watch this. Uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, uh, this is going to be our foundational scripture today. And the Bible says, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and to restore our kingdom? Now, a quick historical context. You have to understand that for centuries, the people of God, the Jewish people, they had been taught and they had been prophesied for years and millennia that one day there was a redeemer that God would send, a Messiah that would bring freedom to the people of Israel, that would restore them. But you got to realize that for the Jewish people in that day, mind you, you're talking about a people that season after season would find themselves under great oppression. If they were not under the oppression of the Babylonian Empire, it was the Egyptian Empire. If it wasn't the Egyptian Empire, it was the Roman Empire. And so a lot of them in their minds, when they thought about this Redeemer coming, they viewed the Redeemer as being some strong, mighty, political leader that would come and, and, and spark the revolution to overthrow the empire, right? So when Jesus shows up as a baby in a manger, humble with no place to lay his head, they were confused. And so here they are asking Jesus, they're saying, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And look at how Jesus replied. He said, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Come on, one time for sassy Jesus, right? Come on. <laughs> but watch what he said here. But Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Somebody say witnesses. He said, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Here in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I love the fact that in this moment, the disciples, in their carnal thinking, they're, they're asking Jesus, Jesus, these, these pagans, this Roman empire that has oppressed your people, you know, the others, the ones that don't look like us. Is it now time for you to overthrow them and to bring us up to our rightful place? But I love Jesus's response. He's like, skirt, hold up, player. <laughs> Jesus's response is, listen, you must not understand the assignment because you're too busy asking me if I'm ready to pull you out of the world, but you don't realize that I came to send you into the world. He tells his disciples in this moment, listen, you're, 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 you're so quick and we are so quick today. Woo! No one on this earth is worse than Christians in, in, in building walls to keep the outsiders out. Y'all better talk to me, OSC. Listen, we will build walls and we will bully and sometimes we will, boy, we will boycott a business in a heartbeat. I ain't never going to Starbucks ever again. Five days later, you up in there, 7.30 a.m. Yeah, can I get a triple tall, non-fat, macchiato? Thank you. God bless you. We will boycott a business, and we will pick it for everything that we're against. But I believe that God is desiring a church that will not only be vocal about what we're against, but it's time that we're vocal about the things that we are for. 
It's time that we're vocal about the things we're for. And Jesus tells his disciples in this moment, he says, listen, I am, I'm about to go home and I'm going to go to the Father and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Come on, aren't you thankful that you have a, a place in heaven waiting on you? I bet mine is bigger than yours, but I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> but Jesus says, while I'm gone, in the meantime and in the in-between time, he says to his disciples, the mission is not over. He says the mission actually has just begun. Why? Because I've come to this earth. I've lived a perfect life. You've seen me open blind eyes and raise dead men to life. You've seen the oppressed be set free. You've seen me lay down my life. You've also seen me raise it back up. But as I go to heaven to prepare a place, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he is going to give you power to be my witness somebody say power power to be my witness Oswald Smith a great man of God a great great I don't know if you know the name but Oswald Smith is a general in the faith he is noted as preaching over 12,000 sermons in his lifetime across 80 different nations Look at this quote from Oswald Smith. He said, we talk a lot about the second coming, but half the world has never even heard of the first. Woo. If you can't say amen, just say ouch. <laughs> and listen, and I'm not just talking about the gospel not going forth in, in, in nations like India or in the Middle East. I'm talking right here in America. I'm talking about right here in the Bible. I'm talking about the, the belt buckle of the Bible belt. Now, don't get me wrong. Oh, we know all about God. We know about Jesus here in America. But the majority of this world, they know about Jesus about as much as I know about Oprah Winfrey. I don't know. There, there's a difference between knowing about someone and actually knowing them. And we live in a society and in an hour where this world, there's a, there's a church on every single street corner. And yet many individuals here in our nation, they have an idea of who God is. They have an idea of, of who their mama and daddy taught them God was. But the majority of this nation don't truly have a relationship with God. And I can say today with full assurance and gratitude that I am thankful for the mercy of God upon my life. Come on. I'm thankful that my past is pardoned. I'm thankful that there is destiny in the distance. And I'm also thankful that there is purpose in my life in the present. But I believe from time to time, it would behoove us to look outside of the four walls of our life and to be reminded that there is a world outside of this building that are perishing and they're on their way to a real hell that exists in eternity spent away from God. And my friend, that should move us. 
That should drive us to, to be people of passion, people with, that, that feel the weight of the urgency of the gospel. Because I'm thankful today that although we live in a world that is fading away and decomposing spiritually, I thank God that we serve a God whose heart is that none should perish, but that all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Come on. And if that's his heart, how many of you know that should also be our heart as well? So with that said today, here's the question. The question is this. How do we respond to the last commandment that Jesus gave us before he left earth? Come on, when a man or a woman, when a person is in their final hours on earth, how many of you know they're not worried about the bank account? They're not worried about their assets. The, 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 the words that come out of their mouth come from the deepest part of who they are. I look at this moment when Jesus spoke to his disciples. He wasn't necessarily on a deathbed, but these were his final moments with his people. And he could have told them, he could have gave many different directives. But the directive was clear. Go therefore into all the world, making disciples of all men. So how do we today, 2,000 plus years later, how do we respond to that? That's what we're talking about today. So if you're taking notes, by the way, I heard note takers are history makers. That's just what I heard. That's what Pastor Josh told me. So if you're taking notes, if you need a, a title for today's message, you can title this message, Can I Get a Witness? <laughs> can I Get a Witness? How do we as Christians live lives that embody the art of evangelism. Here it is, number one. And it's not super deep. It's really not. Here it is, number one. Share your story. Should I say it again for the people in the back? <laughs> Look, share your story. Simply start by sharing your story. You see, I think in our, in our foundational text today, the word we have to really get a grasp on is that word witness. The word witness is one of the most important words in that passage that we can understand as Christians. If we want to live our lives with this open door mindset where we're constantly reaching and snatching people out of the fire and into the light of God's kingdom. Watch this in Acts verse, chapter 1 verse 8. It says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be, somebody say be. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I want you to notice this word, be. Notice that Jesus did not say that you will do witnessing. Jesus said that when the Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witness. Can I tell you, nobody wants to do witnessing. Doing witnessing is awkward. I don't know if some of you uh, remember back in the day when we used to have um, those, the gospel tracks. Y'all remember those? For, those, for, for all my, my, my young folks, there were these little booklets, and they would tell a gospel story. They have little, almost like a little comic book almost, right, Pastor Lindsay? And, and I remember being a young Christian, and <laughs> I was in Teen Challenge. I don't know if y'all know what Teen Challenge is. It's a Christ-centered drug and alcohol rehabilitation program, and... Um, and I was in this program because I had issues, life-controlling issues that needed uh, to be surrendered to Jesus. And I remember giving my life to the Lord, and I was free, and they said, all right, 
We're about to go do some street evangelism. And I said, what's that? <laughs> and they gave me these little books, these little booklets called tracks. And we would walk down the street in the middle of the hood. We'd be in some rough areas, just knocking on people's doors. Come on. You don't want to be in the hood just knocking on some random person's door. I'm sorry. That's not what you want to be doing out here, boo-boo. But I remember, right? Yeah. But I remember, like, knocking on doors, and people would open the doors, and I would say, do you know Jesus? Like, the door would slam right in my face. And I'll be honest, it was disheartening for me. Now, let me say this. I'm not downplaying the the act of handing out tracts, because how many of you know God will reach whoever he wants, however he wants, through whatever means he desires to reach them? So let me say that. But for me and my personal experience, those moments, man, they were demeaning for me. Why? Because I wasn't taught to be a witness. I was doing witnessing. And there is a difference between being a witness and doing witnessing. Listen, a witness of the gospel is a person way before it's a program. Can I say it again? Being a witness is not what you do. Baby, it's who you and I are. As sons and daughters of the kingdom of God, we don't have have the privilege of deciding whether or not we will do witnessing. No, it is who we are. It's in our DNA to spread the good news of Jesus. In fact, let's look at this word witness and and, and look at the definition. Uh, if, If you were to look this up, a witness would be defined as someone who communicates accurately what they have personally seen, heard, and experienced. Now, I'm about to make a statement that for a split second is gonna rattle some of your theology, okay? You ready? All right, some of y'all gonna be like, what? Don't throw a shoe at me, okay? Just chill. Let me, let me, but I'm going to make a, here it is. You ready for it? Say, I'm ready. Here it is. You don't need, in order to be a witness, you don't have to know the Bible. Baby, you just got to know Jesus. Now, hold on. Now, some of y'all got too excited when I said you don't need to know the Bible. Some of like, I don't even like Leviticus. Like, <laughs> can't stand that, man. No, 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 no. If you're a believer, you need to know the word of God. (laughs) Right? We have to know how to rightfully divide the word of truth, right? But what I'm saying to you is this. Every single person in this room who or, or online, if you've been touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can be saved for a hot five minutes, and yet God can use you to tell somebody about the goodness of God. Why? Because all a witness is, is someone who tells accurately what they have experienced, heard, and seen for themselves. Come on, can I dive into this thing real quick? Let me just ask you this. What if, now God forbid, what if though, you got in your car after service and you're on your way home and you see an accident, like a head-on collision. You see it happen right in front of you. Right in front of you, right? You're freaking out. The cops show up. Uh, the cops ask you, hey, did you see what happened? You say, yes, I did. They're going to give you some sort of a paperwork, some documentation. They're going to want you to show up and speak to what you saw. They're going to call you a, a witness. Now, let me ask you this question. 
In order to be a witness to what transpired on that road, do you first have to go to witnessing school? For you to stand as a witness in the court of law, do you have to first like be well-versed and taught and educated in, in auto mechanics and have to know why exactly the brakes did not work in this vehicle? Oh, how about this one? Do you even have to know how to drive a vehicle at all? No. All that's irrelevant. All they need to know is what you saw happen. All they need to know is that the white one hit the red one. <laughs> right? All you got to do is just say, listen, I was there. It happened in front of me, and I got it all on Instagram video because I'm nosy like that. <laughs> right? <laughs> all they need to know is what you saw, what you personally saw and experienced. Can I tell you something? Just a moment ago, you all bore witness to my family. I showed you my wife. I showed you my children. I share with you unique qualities about my children and things that stand out to me about them. Why did I do that? I did that because it's a joy. Because outside of my relationship with God, there is nothing on this earth that gives me more joy than my family and celebrating them. You see, we are uniquely wired to, to, to naturally share the news that inspires us with people around us. It's not hard to get me to talk about my family because they blessed my life. And in the same way as believers, it should not be hard for us to open up our mouths and tell the world about the goodness of God, about what he's done in our lives. Just ask yourself the question, what has God done in my life? Think about it, and then, then, then respond. That's right. It's okay to talk to yourself. <laughs> Sometimes we need to look in the mirror and say, whew, just look back at what God has done. You see, me personally, I'll never forget what God's done in my life. I will never forget the day. God's done a miraculous work in my life. In fact, I'm, t I'm telling you to share your story. Let me share my story. Grew up in church my whole life. I often tell people that, uh, oh, hold on, don't throw that out. I'm, 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 I'm going to wait on that one. But uh, I grew up my whole life in church. I often say that, uh, that I, I grew up, I was a drug baby. Because every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every youth service, every camp, every revival night, my black behind was drugged at church. Like every, I was a kid sleeping under the pew in the back every service. My mom was the secretary at church. So even when we won't have in church, I was in church. But I, growing up as a young man, growing up as a young man in the church, man, I reached an age where I had to decide whether I was going to live for God because it's what I desire to do or because it's just what I was taught to do. When I was 17 years old, I decided, I'm sorry, when I was 11 years old, I decided that I'm going to do what Curvin wants to do. And I began drinking alcohol. I began popping prescription pills smoking weed. I began down this journey. Come on, how many of you know sin has a way of taking you further than you ever planned to go and leaving you longer than you planned to stay? And it'll cost you more than you have to pay. And that was the story of my life. When I was 17 years old, I was an addict. I was a junkie. I weighed 110 pounds. 
I was arrested when I was 17 for my involvement in an armed robbery charged with second degree kidnapping. Facing 10 years in prison, my lawyer looked at my sheet before I went before the judge and closed my file. My lawyer said, you deserve to serve every single year that you've been sentenced to. Straight up. And I don't say all that to give glory to the enemy. But I say all that to say that we serve a God that when judgment condemns, mercy says no. And I stood before this judge and he saw something in me. He, he, he said, I don't know what it is about you, but I want to give you a chance I've never given to anyone else. And he sent me to Teen Challenge, this program I just told you about. And it was in that place that I surrendered my life to God. And I said, Lord, if you can do something with this broken mess of a life, I surrender. I'm tired of running. My life is yours. Come on, and I have not been the same since. And baby, if he did it for me, he can do it for you. He can do it for your child. He can do it for that grandchild that's running from God. Can I tell you, there are people in this world that needs to hear stories like that. In fact, I love, I love sharing my testimony and, 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 and my kids. Oh, Lord, bless these pastor's kids. The PKs, you know, they're, they're, they're built different. They're just made different. My kids can tell my own testimony verbatim. They've heard me tell it so many times. They can tell it verbatim. Like, oh, daddy's talking about drugs again. Oh, dad. In fact, let, let, let me show you all this picture of my son lying, right? I, I was on a Zoom call the other day, and he, first of all, look at that face. First of all, just look at the face. So I'm on a Zoom call, talking business, ministry, strategy, and he walks up with his little journal entry. Now, I'm going to zoom in on what, on what he wrote in his journal entry. I want y'all to read this. He said, well, first of all, Lion wrote this, in case you didn't know. <laughs> he said, one day, my dad pooped in a cauldron. <laughs> First of all, that did not happen. <laughs> I saw him, and he's on a meeting, so yeah. Um, he pooped in a cauldron, and he is talking about drugs. Side note, look at how he spelled drugs, J-R-U-G-S. Hooked on phonics. Let's go. Um, and then, this is my favorite part. Then he says, also, my dad is Killmonger. I don't know if y'all know who that is. <laughs> throw, throw the picture up. I don't know if y'all know who that is. I said, well, <laughs> Lindsay, I told my wife, well, it must be the hair because it sure ain't the physique, baby. <laughs> Get him out of here. I hate that guy. Get him out of here. <laughs> oh. But listen, that's my story, right? That's my story. And my story looks different than Lori's story. And Lori's story looks different than Mike's story. And no matter, what, no, no matter where we've been or what we've been through or what we haven't experienced or have not been through, can I tell you something? Your story is important. And I get teenagers all the time that'll come up to me and be like, oh, man, well, Pastor Kirvin, my story's boring, man. I've never been through nothing. You did drugs. <laughs> I said no. I'm like, well, <laughs> when you put it like that. <laughs> but oftentimes, people just downplay their story. They say things like, well, man, I grew up in church, and, 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 and I was homeschooled on top of that. I'm like, the double whammy, right? That's <laughs> serious. 
I don't really have a testimony. Well, can I tell you tonight, today, that there are even some adults here in this room that maybe you look back over your life and maybe you would say, well, no, I never did drugs or I never really had this wild life that I lived. I, I, I just kind of kept it clean, kept it classy, and I moved forward. I love God. Can I tell you something? That, that, that maybe you weren't a drug addict. Maybe you didn't run away from home as a teenager. Maybe you're not an axe murderer out here on the loose. But the one common thread that we all have in common is that we were all once lost, but by the grace of God, we are found. We were once dead in our transgression, but by the blood of Jesus, we are alive in Christ. That's why all of our stories are valid. All of our stories are powerful. I love in John chapter 9, we see this moment where, where, where um, there was a blind man that Jesus healed. And, and, and I believe he did it on the Sabbath. And, and the religious leaders, they were just up in arms. And they were so angry that, that, that Jesus would heal this man on the Sabbath like, oh my goodness. Can you believe he would do a thing like that? <laughs> on the Sabbath, healing people. <laughs> they drag this man into court. They drag his mom and his dad into court. And they're in the courtroom and they're slandering Jesus. How dare you? Don't you know this Jesus is a liar? He's a blasphemer. He is not a man of God. He is a deceiver. He is a breaker of the law. And they're slamming this young man with all of this judgment and shame and condemnation. And I love his response in John 9 verse 25. Listen, this man had had an encounter with Jesus just 10 minutes ago, but in boldness, he told that courtroom, listen, I don't know much about this Jesus you're talking about. I don't know if he's a good man or not. All I know is, baby, I was blind, but with one touch of Jesus, I am able to see my sight is restored. That's all he knew. He didn't have a scripture. He ain't have a sermon. He ain't even have a suit to preach in. All he knew is I was blind. And with one touch from Jesus, I can now see. Can I tell you something? You don't have to have all the training to be a witness. You don't have to know the Bible front to back to be a witness. You don't have to have all of the knowledge and be able to debate. There's nothing wrong with telling people that ask hard questions. You know what? I'm not really sure. Let me study. Let me pray. And I'll get back to you. Right. Mind blown. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with doing that and taking that approach because here's the deal. We're in a society where people will debate the gospel. People will debate your faith. They will debate uh, everything you believe. They will bring their philosophies and their ideologies. But can I tell you something? There's one thing that you are an expert in. You are an expert in your own experience. And can nobody tell you what God did or did not do in your life? I love the story of the young woman, the Samaritan woman that, God, that Jesus met at the well. Y'all know the story. Jesus pulled up on her, and, 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 and she was there seeking for physical water. But Jesus said, I got a water that if you have a taste of it, you will never thirst again. Jesus read her email. I mean, he was all up in that Gmail account. Just read her mail. Had one encounter with Jesus. She runs back to the town. And the Bible says that the entire town, mind you, these ain't church folk. This is Samaria. These are the outsiders. 
one woman had a touch from God and became the greatest evangelist that that region had ever known. The Bible said on that day, many believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something? If we are not sharing our story, then how will people be healed? Right? How am I going to help you in your marriage when I'm hiding what God has done in my own marriage? How, how, how am I going to help give wisdom and guidance and counsel to a young man struggling with an addiction if I'm ashamed of the life that I lived in addiction and bondage for many years and how God brought me out of it? There are people who are waiting to be healed and waiting to walk in wholeness through our stories. Listen, people will argue about the faith and argue about what you believe, but no one can argue with you about your story. People cannot argue with you about your life and about your experience. Because listen, there's a lot of things I don't know. There's a lot of things I don't have answers for. You would not believe the questions people ask us pastors. <laughs> Crazy questions. I had a guy call me a few months ago. Pastor Kirvin, can we talk? Yeah, bro, is everything okay? Yeah, man, I just got some real questions, man. I, I need help. I need to sit down and talk with you. Um, okay, do I need to like... Bro, I need you right now, Pastor. Okay, I move things on my calendar. Let's get coffee. Okay, bet. We pull up at Starbucks a couple days later. I sit down with him. You want to know what his question was? Pastor Kirvin, do you believe in aliens? I mean, I've been having dreams and see, I don't know. I think they're visions. I don't know. Like, do you believe in aliens? I don't know. Bruh, I don't know. Pastor Kirvin, what, what do you think about dinosaurs? Did they really exist? Like, like what happened? Did the flood take them out? Bro, I don't know. <laughs> Listen, there are plenty of things I don't, you can stump me any day. I promise you that. There's a lot of answers I don't have, but I will tell you what I do know. I do know I was once lost. I know I was an addict. I know I was far from God. I was a violent man. I know that I tried to do it on my own. But it wasn't until I surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus that my life was changed. And it's only by his grace that I'm even here today. That's what I know. And that's the story that I will tell. Come on, give God some praise if you're thankful for your story. You got to share your story. Here it is. I wanted to spend most time on that first point. Here's my second point. Not only do you need to share your story, but here's the big one. You ready for it? <laughs> you need to be free from the fear of man. Now, that's a whole message by itself because a lot of us don't share our story because we're fearful of what man is going to think. We're, we're, we're fearful. I don't want to get, we live in a cancel culture. You will get canceled in a heartbeat just like that. You say the wrong thing or something that, that, the, that the general public does not like, you will get canceled in a heartbeat. But can I tell you something about the fear of man? If you live your life for the approval of man, then you will die by their rejection. We cannot live our lives based by the fear of man. Paul said to the church in Galatia, chapter 1, verse 10 in his letter, he said, obviously, look, he said, obviously, I am not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. He said, because if pleasing people were my goal, then I would not be a servant of Christ. You can't do both. I'm sorry, I, I, I know that we would love to think that there's this thing uh, called casual Christianity or, or, or comfortable Christianity 
where, where, where we stand in truth and we proclaim the truth and we're unswerving from the word and yet the entire world just loves us and likes us and wants to be our friend. No, we forget that all 12 of the disciples lost their lives for the sake of Christ. They were beheaded. They were tossed in bats of, 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 of boiling oil. They were crucified upside down. They were thrown and fed to the lions. And yet here we are 2,000 years later thinking that the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to be a calling card for the acceptance of a world that doesn't want anything to do with God. What? We better wake up and smell the coffee, church. If there was ever a time in the history of our nation where the lines were so clearly drawn, it's right here and it's right now. A scared world needs a fearless church. We can't live our lives. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. We cannot live our lives bound up by the fear of man. Because if we do, we're going to find ourselves living in the prison of opinion. In the prison of, yeah, God made me for something great, but I can't because I'm in this prison of their opinion. Many years, for about 15 years actually, I traveled as, as a, as a hip-hop artist. I did Christian rap music and, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> and, um, and I don't know how everyone feels about that. It's fine. Um, but I know that God reached a lot of people in that season, a lot of young people. And, um, and I remember during that season, I would be approached by a lot of labels. Not, well, not a lot. A few. A few labels would reach out. And they would say things like, Curvin, we love your music. We love your energy on stage. We love what you do. And we would love to have you be a part of our label. We'd love to sign you. But it would always boil down to this one issue. Here it is. Curvin, if you could just do your concert and sing your songs without saying much about the gospel. Like, like, I, I, like you can be a Christian artist, but we don't really have to have an altar call at every, every concert. Can you just sing your songs? Can you not talk about revival? Um, can you not talk about healing? There are different people here that believe different things. Can you just do your songs and get your check and leave? Can I tell you something? Time and time again, I had to make a decision. Will I live my life and utilize the gifts that God has given me for the applause of man or for the approval of God? And every single one of us will be faced with that question time and time again. Now, it's going to look different. Unless some of y'all are hip-hop artists in here. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> right? <laughs> but time and time again, we're going to be faced with these moments where we're going to have to decide whether it's in the break room at work, when there's nonsense being talked about and discussed. We're going to have to have, there will be moments where we're going to have to, we're going to, have to make a decision whether we will bow down to the culture or stand up for what's right. Listen, Jesus said this. He told his disciples, look, don't be surprised when the world hates you. He said that if the world hates you, keep in mind they hated me first. Because if you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. But as it is, you don't belong to this world. But I've chosen you out of this world. That is why the world hates you. 
Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. For if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, then they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. Can I tell you something? I, I'm thankful that Jesus said those words because it gives me comfort to know that Jesus is right in the middle of the struggle with me. Have you ever thought about this? As hard as this Christian life may seem, Jesus never called us to anything that he himself did not walk through. He was despised by man. He was persecuted. He was murdered. I don't think any of us have been murdered for the gospel. Everything he's called us to, he's already walked through. And our purpose on this earth is to love God and to love people. But to accomplish that, to love people and to have a heart to reach them with the gospel, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need it because people get on my nerves sometimes. Come on, some of y'all know some extra grace required people, right? I call them the EGRs, extra grace, Jesus. That's what I need for this joker right here. Right? We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, that's why in the book of Acts, Jesus said, look, he said that when my spirit comes upon you, he said, you will receive power. Now watch this. Again, I'm going to shake your theology, some of you. He said, you will receive power, but not just power for healing, not just power for miracles, not just power to, to, to speak in other tongues. Now, there's nothing wrong with all that. Look, I speak in more tongues than the United Nations, all right? <laughs> like, straight up. I believe in healing. We had healings happen just the other night. So I'm not downplaying any of the miraculous supernatural work of God. But Jesus in this moment said that when the spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to be witnesses. It's the power of God. It's one of its primary uh, functions in the life of the believer is to empower us and embolden us to be witnesses of the good news of the gospel. It's the power of God that enables us to overcome the fear of man. Listen, I'm going to tell you today, my friends, if you want to know how to overcome the fear of man, you need the power of God's spirit and you need that coupled with the revelation of who you are in the sight of God. Whenever you can wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and declare over your life, I know who I am. I know whose I am. I know that no weapon formed against me will prosper. I know that I look most like Jesus whenever I'm persecuted and I know I'm filled with the power of God's spirit. So if the haters are going to hate, I might as well give them something to hate about. Because like my because like my grandmama used to say when I was a baby, I'm not going to sit back and let a rock cry out for me. I'm going to open up my mouth and I am going to declare to the world that there is a God in heaven that is alive, that is good, that is gracious and holy above all of the earth. I can't be silent. You can't be still. God has done too much for you to take the light of Christ and to hide it. Like the old Sunday school song, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let that light shine. God has placed us in this earth to shine the light 
of Jesus. Can I tell you, for some of you, as I wrap this up, some of you, here's what your motto needs to be for this new season. Your motto should be this. This is my motto. Can I share it with you? Here it is. I want you to like me, but I don't need you to like me. (laughs) I want you to like me, but I don't need you to like me. Because if I need you, then that means that I can't lead you. And time is too short. And Satan is too busy in the earth for me to be sitting on Facebook worried about what Tom, Dick, and Harry have to, what they have to say about me and my truth and my beliefs and, and, and the, not, not, not even my truth, about the truth. I don't have time to play these games, play the comparison game. No, I know what God put me on this earth to do. And that's to spread the goodness and the truth of his kingdom. Here it is. Last point as I close. You got to share your story. You got to be set free from the fear of man. And lastly, we have to redefine the win. We have to redefine the win. You know, whenever I was first saved, like I said a minute ago, I'm fresh, fresh, fresh off of drugs. I mean, brand new Christian. Y'all ever meet those Christians when they just get saved? Especially if they have like a radical conversion. They're like, great, like, like, like low key, they're on a hundred every time you see them, right? Oh, praise the Lord. (laughs) You're weird, bro. (laughs) Right? That was me. That was me. I'm a little hyper. Can you tell? So that was me. And I remember, man, when I first got saved, dude, if I'm walking down the street, if I made the slightest eye contact with you, I was going to tell you about Jesus. I'd be mid-stride. Do you know Jesus? <laughs> Do you? Track or no track? I was all about it. Listen, new Christian, I ain't know nothing about uh, discipleship. No, no, no. I knew nothing about a bridge of trust and relationship. I'm fresh off drugs. I can't even spell relationship or discipleship. <laughs> don't play with me. I don't know none of that disciple. I don't even, I'm, I don't know. All I knew is that Jesus changed my life. All I knew is that Jesus changed my life. And I had this idea. I got to hurry, y'all. I got I to hurry. Lord, Holy Spirit, help me to wrap this up. I had this idea. I had this idea that as a witness, that it would always be these moments, Pastor Josh, where I would encounter a person and share the gospel. And the heavens would open up. And doves would fly down. And this person would fall on their knees and rip their clothes. Oh, I'm a sinner. Woe is me! <laughs> like sackcloth and ashes, you know what I'm saying? I just had this idea that that would be the, that's what it looked like to evangelize and reach the lost. Can I tell you something? More times than not, that did not happen. <laughs> In fact, it never really happened that way. <laughs> Maybe one, no, it never happened. But look at me. But I had to redefine the win. The win is not just necessarily that moment happening like that. There was a recent study done by the Barna Group. The Barna Group, their research uh, organization, they study the spiritual climate of America. They do all these polls, surveys. You should check them out. They did this study, and they discovered that most Americans, it will take them six to seven times on average hearing the gospel presented before they ever respond to it. Six to seven times. So what does that mean? That means that you and I have to be okay with maybe being that second or being the fourth 
or maybe that first time where someone's, listen, that means that that door being slammed in your face, maybe that was the first seed sown to that man. And we got to be okay with that. We have to redefine the wind. Listen, it's like sowing seed in the garden. I'm not a gardener. I don't have a green thumb. I'm the, the, only, the only plants I like are the ones you can eat. <laughs> Basil, cilantro, like that's it. But it's like sowing a seed in the soil. You put that seed in, you, you fertilize it, you, you, you tend to it. I'm trying to find the words again. I'm not a green thumb guy, but I know you have to take care of the soil. You have to pluck out some of the weeds. You got to water it and water it and water it. And just as soon as you think, man, this thing's never going to grow, what happens? A little sprout. A little bud sprouts out. And you begin nurturing it, and it grows, and it grows. You tend to the garden. You pull the weeds out. Sounds a lot like discipleship, right? Then over time, that seed bears fruit that will then bear more fruit. Look at what Paul said. And And I'm done right here. Paul said this. Paul told the church, he said, listen, he said, I sowed the seed, and Apollos watered the seed. But in the end, it was the Holy Spirit, it was God who made that seed grow. What has God called you and I to do? I'm done right here. Here it is. God has not called us to carry the weight and the burden of having these woe is me moments with the lost. Can we just redefine the win where we just simply own our space? The win for you? may simply just be knowing your neighbor's name or maybe just inviting them to church or maybe even just asking them, hey, is there anything I can be praying with you about? The win is simply being aware that all around us are people who are far from God. And for all you know, listen to me, church, for all you know, your life might be the only Bible they ever read. Can we live our lives that way? Can we leave this place today knowing that God called us to be carriers of the kingdom? With every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, we love you and I I just thank you today, Lord, for who you are. And I just pray today that by the power of your spirit, Lord, that something that was spoken, that it would resonate in the hearts of your people in a real way. Lord, we don't want to leave this place today playing the same games. Lord, we want to leave this place understanding, God, that we are a part of the kingdom agenda here on earth. We want to see people come to know you. We want to see people come into the kingdom of light. So, Lord, give us power by your spirit to share our stories, Lord God. Lord, help us, Jesus, to not be ashamed of the gospel, Lord God. Let us not, uh, let us not cower in the face of a culture that wants you removed. But, Lord, let us stand firm for what we, what we believe in and help us, Lord God, to have ownership of the people and the families that you've placed around us. And we will do all we can do to make sure the name of Jesus is made famous. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, if you love them, give them a shout today.